Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 441. Abriana, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I missed you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a crazy uh, run last week with all of us traveling. Karsten in Germany and you in New York or and me in Australia. And it was just like it was it was it was difficult um, to, to get this coordinated. But we still got to show out uh, at the last minute. But uh, good to have you back. And um, yeah, how was your week? It was good. It was crazy busy. I was at the um, IAB Direct Brand Summit show. Um, and it was really interesting, you know, kind of hearing some of the insights that these brands that are going directly to consumers, you know, you think of like the purple and Casper mattresses, you know, the, um, you know, I don't know, the makeup boxes, the birch boxes, those types of mm -hmm. things. And then, um, and then you hear these crazy stories like, something like a Kylie, you know, uh, you know, her lip kit. And then she just got sold off like 51% of her company for like $600 million, which is crazy, you know, from lip gloss. And so it was really cool just to hear about the, um, you know, the innovation and like the, uh, sort of like the disruption that those types of brands are having, um, in the industry and how they have to think things through a little differently than some of the bigger brands that, you know, yeah. we, tend to talk about on the show here, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Excellent. That like, I, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll follow up with you separately on that another time. I'd love to see how we can bring something like that sort of direct to consumer kind of topic into, um, you know, say a retail logo environment. Yeah, for sure. We'll do a panel on that next year. So anyhow, I think there's a lot to learn for like bigger brands um, on, you know, taking things. Uh, I think that somebody was mentioning, for example, like maybe Clorox or a big brand like that is actually doing some type of like home delivery package service for their clients. And it's not even in the cleaning supplies area. I think it was more like vitamins or, you know, so there's just a lot to, I think there's a lot of good insight um, to learn when you look at different ways that people are conducting business and how those different methods can can sort of offset your business. And we'll talk a little bit about that with one of our stories later. Mm -hmm. too. <laughs> cool. Uh, so before we jump into, I just want to remind people uh, who are listening and watching, um, you know, to uh, uh, make sure, you know, you are uh, uh, giving us feedback on the show each week. Uh, we love that. If you have story ideas, we want to hear about them. Um, you know, share it with friends, uh, colleagues, um, and you may have noticed we switched uh, in the last week uh, our platform. So we're no longer uh, on Podbean. Uh, we're now on Anchor, uh, which lets us push it to Spotify and iTunes and all sorts of different places. So it's much more widely uh, distributed now. So it should be really easy for people to uh, to get and consume. Um, so let us know what you think about that as well. And um, yeah, if, um, you know, just any feedback is good so yeah and i will say as we're heading into thanksgiving here in the states um you know it's just time that i'm like reflecting and being grateful i try to be grateful every day of course but you know something that we are grateful for is you guys's dedication and viewership or listenership um every week and uh we're just thankful for you guys and we're thankful for the industry and all this cool stuff that we get to talk about and 
and uh, make our jobs. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, why don't we jump into it? We've got three industry news stories for you this week and three member news stories. And I'll let Aubriana kick it off. All right. Well, I'm going to kick it off with Mobivity. And this is, um, I actually kind of like this story. A lot of times I'm sort of ho-hum on like the new platforms and new products, but um, they are, if you're not familiar with Mobivity, they're more of a customer personalization uh, platform. Um, and that platform that they've been focused on is called Recurrency. Uh, but now they're launching an omni-channel offers platform. It's offers and promotion management for their clients, um, which is basically generating one-to-one -one codes that can be sent via text message. They could be printed on a receipt. They could be sent through other channels, maybe email messaging. Um, and what it is is that these codes are unique to each customer, each consumer. And so it really closes the loop. Um, so it ties a, a consumer to a unique identity, which is really cool. Um, so their first customer on this new omnichannel platform is Subway. And Subway, you know, has 30,000 locations in the U.S., Canada, U.K., and Ireland. Um, and so, you know, I think that the scalability of a product like this is really great. And I'm sure Subway is a great place to test it out with, um, you know, for starters. But I, you know what I really like about this is that I think it actually solves a challenge and a problem that there is currently um, in the market and that is measurability. So attribution is a challenge. And when you don't have some type of a unique identifier to tie it back to a specific piece of media or a specific uh, consumer um, and interaction, then, you know, I think that that leaves a lot of questions about your campaigns that you're running, what led the people there, what's actually being effective in your marketing plan and strategy. And so I like that this is solving that challenge. Um, you know, I'm not sure that if this is from my perspective, um, you know, the one offering or the one, I guess, uh, area that this offering could grow a little bit more would be the ability to attach this to media. So it sounds like this is more of a one-to-one -one offering for customers who are already engaged with Subway in some way, shape, or form, or that brand in some way, shape, or form. So they already have contact information like an email, um, you know, they've already, they're making a purchase or, you know, they have, they're in they're in their text message program. So that I think is like leaves a lot of area for growth and there's certainly more opportunities to expand that. But I think that this is a great start. And so I really like that, you know, they're thinking about solving a challenge that actually exists. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it, it's really smart kind of what they've assembled into the platform in terms of the breadth of features on SMS or in-app uh, purchases and, and even printing offers on receipts. Uh, so uh, I think, you know, I, I like that kind of, you know, sort of pulling it all together in a single platform, um, you know, and obviously these guys have a, a longstanding relationship with Subway. It says they've been working for nearly five years together. So that's great when you're able to kind of maintain those relationships and, and grow them uh, beyond that. Uh, I'm with you. I think this is a, um, you know, a great a tool for Subway or others to use to engage existing customers who are loyal to the brand, who have the app or, you know, are already uh, buying product from you and so on. But I think, you know, where maybe there's opportunities is how do you then take this to, um, you know, grow your audience and grow your, your base. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what I would like to see is maybe some connectivity between sort of the loyalty omni-channel marketing aspect of what they're trying to do here. Uh, bridged with, you know, how we at the may talk about the cake and the bottom of the cake, which is the traffic driving piece. You know, how do we use location to drive traffic, new traffic, new audience into these stores, into these environments? 
that we can then onboard onto the platform here that then become part of our, our regular mix of, of engagement, right? So, um, so, so I think there's, there's still opportunity for growth, but I, I love kind of the combination of tools that they, they put together. In this. So I think it's cool. I think it's exciting. Yeah. All right. On to our second story. So this one was a really interesting one for me um, this week. Uh, Apple uh, has teamed up with Play Network uh, around a service that they call Apple Music for Business. And so, you know, we've talked over the years on the show a lot about, um, you know, the sort of, you know, seeing um, location-based marketing across all media and seeing one of those things being, you know, how we use, um, sensory uh, type of engagement in, in retail environments in particular as a way to influence purchase decisions or, or influence at least, um, you know, the mood maybe uh, of customers. Hence, we have companies like Mood Media and Vibenomics and others, uh, and obviously Play Network, uh, who are companies that provide these types of, of, of systems um, to do that. And so, you know, music is a big part of that. You know, pretty much every retail environment in North America, at least, you know, when you walk in, there's some sort of music uh, playing, um, and it's it's all done intentionally. It's all done in a way that's you know trying to create a certain vibe, create a certain mood, uh, you know, to set a you know an atmosphere for that consumer that can influence their their purchasing. Obviously, there are ways through um, technology, through app platforms like Shazam that have audio watermarking and listening to pull and, and create call to actions from that uh, audio uh, environment. Um, but what's fascinating to me is, you know, given all the companies I just mentioned, given the sort of penetration of the market, I, you know, I think Mood has like 80% of, you know, the uh, North American retail market, uh, you know, already, here comes Apple saying, look, you know, we've got this, this service called Apple Music, you know, for business, uh, and, and we can come in and create custom playlists for brands. Apparently they've been testing with Harrods uh, in the UK and Levi's uh, uh, Strauss as well um, and having good success. Um, they've landed 25 accounts so far uh, in its first six months of operation. They say they'll have 10,000 stores running this, um, you know, when, once they're fully implemented um, and they're focusing on bigger brands with, that have more than a hundred locations. So I wonder, like, I guess, you know, I don't have any info on kind of how they price this or, or how it compares to some of the existing services in the market. But, you know, when it comes to sort of music library and, and content, obviously Apple's, you know, a, a massive player in that. So, um, you know, they probably have a leg up on that side. Um, you know, maybe where I think, you know, they, they might want to consider, you know, some investment or some technology uh, pieces around it, it is around some of those other capabilities of creating call to actions based on some of those music uh, using Shazam like technology or into now or any of those kind of audio listening uh, type of pieces um, that can really create engagement and because you're Apple and you you know have you know a lot of native OS users walking into these stores you probably have an ability to do some of those things um, in the device so um, I think it could be quite interesting. It could be fairly disruptive for, you know, sort of music in the business environment. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I like it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering kind of what the economics of it look like. Yeah, definitely a question is the economics. And uh, I do agree that Apple probably has a leg up here because of the massive amount of data that they have. So 
being able to blend consumer data um, alongside, you know, of specific locations and behaviors within the store, outside of the store, um, because they are, you know, the device itself. So they have a big, big opportunity there. I mean, I'm interested to know, like, how much of that data is crossing walls between these divisions, but because Apple tends to be so privacy sensitive. Um, but still, you know, I think being able to leverage that understanding of the consumer at the level that they're at, which is very personal, um, and then bring that and deliver that to these retail brands in terms of the, the music and the media that they're able to deliver in store, um, you know, is a really big, a big thing to do. So I think that they definitely have some advantages compared to everybody who's already in the market. It's hard to get into a crowded market like that unless you have some very key differentiators. And I think that they do. Um, and I, you know, and I do, and I do believe in, in the, in the psychology behind the shopping and how, you know, having good, you know, the last thing you want to do is like walk the thing that I hate to do is like walk into a store where there's not music playing. And like, all you hear is like the screech of the hangers on the bars as you're like going through clothes. It's, the, mm -hmm. it's so uncomfortable, but you know, you get into, um, you know, a mood, especially around the holiday season, whenever you hear that music, it makes you think about buying gifts for other people and shopping and trying on clothes. And, you know, you have like this, like, whatever movie montage where you're trying on lots of things or whatever it may be. So I think that that's, um, it's really interesting. So I am excited to hear more from the things that they're doing and what other data they start to incorporate, um, into this. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Okay. So here's a crazy story for you. Uh, PayPal is making its largest acquisition ever. Uh, with a company called Honey. If you don't know Honey, Honey is a company that has um, these browser add-ons. I have one of them that make it easier to find deals and bargains while you're shopping online. So you add this plugin and then when you're about to check out, Honey will pop up and tell you, hey, you can save X percent or you know this much money if you use this code or you're actually getting the best deal. Um, so I've been using it for a while and you know, it's good. It saved me a couple bucks here and there. I wouldn't say it's been life changing, but it's nice. Um, well, this acquisition makes sense to me because, you know, PayPal is definitely trying to sort of like broaden their reach outside of the, uh, you know, the payments industry. But I got a big sticker shock when I saw the acquisition amount that is being proposed, which is $4 billion B with a B $4 billion. So, um, yeah, this is just crazy numbers to me. I don't, I am clearly missing a big part of this story because, um, I'm not sure exactly how 4 billion, you know, maybe 40 million. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how many consumers are using honey, but, um, this is a huge number, right? So PayPal currently has about 24 million um, different merchants that, you know, are using them and they see this as a way to help them attract a shopper sort of earlier in this like bargain shopping deal hunting process, um, which is fine. I don't know that Honey's necessarily identifying a bargain shopper or a deal hunter, just somebody who's going to shop how they usually shop. And if they can save a couple extra bucks, then great. But you know, after the announcement was made the other day about this acquisition, what was really interesting is that their stock price um, dropped more than 2%. So obviously, you know, a lot of people are not really thrilled about this news or they're not seeing the 4 billion number, maybe as I am. 
Um, but you know, I, what I like about this story is that PayPal is expanding its, you know, initiatives and acquisitions beyond, um, you know, the payment space, but also just, you know, beyond the borders, you know, uh, from a national basis and, and going more international. So they recently acquired, um, uh, they, they went into the China pay space through GoPay acquisition. And then they also have an upcoming Venmo credit card that they're talking about. And they had, they haven't really had any other large acquisitions this year. They had some, you know, some acquisitions last year, but, you know, I think they're just sort of rethinking on their strategy and how can they offer other services uh, besides just the payment. So you have the payment, but you also have, am I getting the best deal? Um, you have like, what am I interested in? And obviously, um, you know, honey being on, the side that's a plugin has a lot of insight into all of your browsing history, which is likely the value that uh, they're seeing them bring to the table. So um, I think this is definitely uh, a deeper play than any of us can really think about and understand at this point. There has to be like a really big data play or something else uh, to have this type of valuation. So I am like actually really excited to hear more details and news on this one. But I mean, what do you think? You think that number is justified? <laughs> I, I mean, anytime I see a number like this, you know, uh, against kind of, you know, the run of the, of the company. So like, I mean, these guys only raised, like they raised 40 million last year in venture funding. Uh, I looked up the number while you were um, talking. So uh, to answer your question. So according to an article that was just published around this acquisition in Forbes, um, it looks like they're saying Honey's got 17 million users. Uh, like so, 17 million people have the browser extension uh, or use or you're using it on a monthly basis. So that, like that's ongoing usage, and they have 30,000 retailers that they uh, provide, uh, you know, the service, you know, on. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, so so if. Like what's the revenue model, right? Like if the revenue model for these guys is, you know, uh, similar to what Groupon, you know, was doing back in the day, a percentage of the transaction or something along those lines uh, along the way. Um, and, you know, that, that's the real question is how many transactions are they doing? Um, you know, not necessarily how many users you have, but I mean, you know, it's 17 million people using it regularly on a monthly basis. It's not small. Um, so, but I still think 4 billion is a lot, right? Um, you know, maybe 400 million is a more reasonable number, um, you know, or 1 billion. I don't know, but um, we'll see. Like, like it's, I think it's, it's difficult to kind of understand these things without knowing kind of what the revenue uh, behind it looks like and, and what the, you know, sort of uh, engagement numbers look like. Right. So, it's hard for me to say, but on, you know, that all being aside, I think for PayPal, I think, you know, from a technology portfolio perspective, um, and a user customer user engagement perspective, I think this is a great deal. I think this really adds something unique to, to their, uh, portfolio. I think that, um, you know, being obviously a transaction payments processing, you know, platform is one thing. And obviously they're, you know, the biggest players in that space but having this sort of simplifying the consumer shopping experience pulling the the deal the discounts together um you know as part of that so you know check out with paypal and at the same time make sure you're saving you know the most that you can i think that that's a seamless consumer 
you know, you know experience in terms of, of friction, um, you know, removing friction. Um, I, and, I, and I say that because, you know, I, I am one of those guys who, you know, like I, I use a lot of online services. I buy a lot of online things. Um, you know, I, I sign up for, you know, for even for business services, whether it's Dropbox or DocuSign or, you know, whatever it is I'm using. And, you know, like when you see, when I see the, the in the, in the, in the uh, cart, when I see the thing, you know, promo code, enter your promo code. I actually, I, I'm the guy who goes and looks for one, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a small business owner, right? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to save every dollar I can, right? So if there is like some, you know, something I can do uh, to save five bucks or, you know, 150 bucks, like on a business service, um, then why not? And so I think if you can just present that to me at the same time and not, and save me the time of going to find it, um, then that's great. Right. And I'll tell you the other thing too, is like every time I go to do that, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, I, so I'm in the, in the cart, like, you know, doing whatever purchase I'm doing. And then I, I go to a completely separate browser, like a completely different browser platform to look for the, the, the code. Right. Because obviously often when you go and look for it on the same platform, it just takes you back into the, into the cart you're already in. Um, and so like, like it, it, it's cumbersome, it's a hassle, right? So if you can remove that friction and just put it there in front of me, I'm great. Right. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, um, I don't know, I, I would have to say that for all of the, the merchants that use PayPal, right? Combining that with, um, with the honey analytics and sort of being able to tell them like, Hey, this is where else, you know, your customers are shopping or this is what they, you know, like this is their behavior, sort of those consumer analytics, you know, that's probably something else they could package up and sell. Mm -hmm. Just a thought. There you go. So honey, $4 billion acquired mm -hmm. by PayPal. There you go. All right, so that's our three. Sweet deal. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, so shifting over to our member news now, uh, I'll kick this off with a story going over to the UK now, where our friends at Tesco, or, or more specifically the uh, division of Tesco called One Stop, uh, big retail operator out, out in that part of the world, um, has launched an interesting holiday um, uh, AR campaign. And uh, it's sitting on top of uh, Facebook's uh, AR. So we don't, I haven't heard a lot about people using Facebook AR. Um, so it's kind of cool and, and different in this way. Uh, so One Stop is kind of the, the local convenience store, the 7-Eleven um, sort of division of Tesco, if you will. And um, so they're, they've created this augmented reality game. It's an interactive experience where you can win prizes. Um, and what I like about it, it's called Find Eddie on the Find Eddie the Elf. So if you know the, you know, Elf on the Shelf game, you know, uh, people have been playing for generations with a real elf that people hide, you know, in their house and just appears all over the place or whatever. This is kind of like a digital version of that in augmented reality. Um, and so, uh, so think of it like a hide and seek game. Um, Eddie the Elf is, you know, kind of hidden in augmented reality places. Um, what I like about it is that you can play the game in the app, but there's also ways to play the game physically in the store. Uh, so it's both online and offline. Uh, obviously, because it's AR, it uses the, um, 
the uh, the camera uh, lens of your phone. Um, and it's available in all one-stop stores. Uh, so you can go to, or you can go to the one-stop Facebook page uh, and, and play it there. Um, but yeah, it's all real time. It's all kind of these floating, you know, sort of hidden elves, uh, you know, throughout the store or in the online experience. You can win really small little prizes like, you know, Malteser chocolate reindeers or, you know, boxes of um, uh, orange chocolate, you know, for matchmakers. You know, there's a, a weekly draw for a uh, thousand uh, pounds. Um, uh, and then there's like, you know, trips and all kinds of other things, all kinds of other prizes. They have a lot of um, uh, consumer brands uh, who are involved with it in terms of special promotions from Mars to Nestle to Coke, and Walkers, like shortbreads and so on. So yeah, like it really kind of truly holiday themed around like all the candy and chocolate and you know, stuff that's available in the, in the convenience store, you know, the, the kind of holiday theme stuff. Um, so I, for me though, I, I think the biggest thing here that I like about it is number one, it, it's they're finding a way to use Facebook's AR. Number two, uh, that they're doing this both in the online experience in Facebook on the on Facebook page, as well as in the, uh, you know, physically in the stores uh, where you can walk around kind of find the hidden elf uh, around the place. So I like it. <laughs> All right, so usually I would definitely trash something like this, but I actually am giving this one um, good remarks because I think this is fun. I think it's suited for the season. Um, I am, I don't know about you if you ever did like Elf on the Shelf or anything like that for your kids. That is like not going to happen for me. Uh, I would lose the Elf and I don't have time to move things every night. I can't even you know, remember the thing, you know, I've, I'm like, I'm focused on just making sure like my kids have a lunch the next day, you know? <laughs> so the elf on the shelf sort of thing is like, has passed me by. It has never really been something that we've done in our house. But what I do know is that when I go to Trader Joe's, they have a monkey that's kind of like their little guy and they hide yeah. him different places every day. And every time we go, my kids want to find the monkey. And so it is, there's no digital part of this whatsoever. But, you know, when I'm in the store shopping with my kids, I would totally hand them my phone and say, find the elf. This mm -hmm. is fun. Um, you know, distract yourselves for a little while. That's like the one thing, you know, there's like two things that kind of get them through the grocery store. It's, uh, you know, really like finding the monkey and then, you know, tasting whatever they have available that day. So I like that this is seasonal and I like that they have some prizes associated with it. I mean, it's fun. I think my kids would enjoy it without any prizes. So I don't know that it's like really an adult thing, but for every parent that's going into Tesco this holiday season, they're like, yes, this is fun. We'll do this. And then the kids, you know, like it. So then you can say, oh, you can play on the computer too when you get home. Okay. Um, so I, I think that this is kind of a winning, winning fun, you know, holiday campaign. It's good. Yeah. Very good. Cool. All right. So this is, you know, we started off the show talking about sort of like that direct to consumer and like the retail switching up and challenges. And so this was a story that I was kind of excited to talk about. Um, we are talking about pennies um, and they are still kicking. This is JC pennies. They are 117 years old. This retailer is doing something um, completely out of the box for them, you know, after being around for so long. Uh, and this was really interesting to me because you don't expect this of a, of a pennies. You might expect it of maybe a Macy's. They seem to be trying new things often, but you know, JC Penney said, okay, you know what, we are switching things up. And I think their new CEO has seen sort of this decline and continued, um, you know, uh, operating loss that just 
just continues to grow uh, quarter over quarter. And so they are just trying to shake things up. And I think they said enough, like we can't continue to do the way, do things the way that we've always traditionally done them. We've got to change things up. And so they are trying things out at a new store in Hearst, Texas. Hearst is uh, right outside of Dallas, apparently. And this is the store is sort of like a concept. It's a lab. They're sort of viewing it as like this testing place where it'll have all these different features that they're trying out. So they have fitness classes with instructors. They have a barber shop where you can, you know, get a shoe shine and get your hair, you know, your beard trimmed and all of those things. Um, they have personal styling that they're bringing in. So they opened this on November 1st. So it's just kind of getting going for the holiday season. And they are viewing this as more like investing in the future. They're like, this is not a prototype. You know, this is not something we're planning on rolling out to every store, but we're just trying to see what works and what is, you know, helping us uh, to really value our consumers and, and look at the shopper, you know, um, journey and, and try and make it a better one. Right. So some of the things that I really liked is um, there, I was looking through the pictures of all the different things that they were doing. And so um, the store is totally different than, you know, your Nana's JCPenney. This is not your grandma's like, you know, from that era. Um, it's much more modern, you know, there's a lot of light, it's very clean, it's very organized. Um, and even just like, so they have a lot more, um, you know, just styling and, and the way that the areas are, are set up and designed is really beautiful and it's much more appealing. I think, you know, one of the things why I've never enjoyed shopping at a JCPenney is it's kind of like you had to dig, right? You just go in, there's no like really process or plan to the store and they want to roll this out. So it feels like, you know, you can navigate things a little bit easier. Um, so that was one thing that was a really big difference in a lot of the photos that I saw. They also have these styling rooms um, and they now have this per like personal styling. It's a free service, which is amazing. So you can be, you know, matched with somebody who can help pick things out for you, maybe for your body type or your style and what you're looking for. And then in the dressing rooms, they actually have a way that you can request like new sizes, new colors, you know, different things. Um, and I really like this because, you know, when you're shopping in a boutique, it's pretty easy just to peek your head out and say like, Hey, can you grab me another size? But when you're in a department store, the size of a JC Penney, it's really hard, you know, and you have to like get dressed, go back and find it. There's no one ever there to help you, but having the ability to just request something straight from the dressing room, I think this will definitely boost purchases. Um, and they've also taken sort of this page out of the Lululemon book, right? So you've got like the yoga and the fitness class and it's happening right there around all this apparel, around all of their, you know, products that are, that are made specifically for these types of, of classes. Um, they're also doing tutorials and lifestyle workshops around like cooking, you know, showing all of their houseware products. Um, as well as workshops with like their tools, you know, I think JCPenney probably behind Sears is known for sort of some of their appliances and tools as well. And so, you know, teaching people how to use different things or do different products at projects, I think is really, really cool from a demonstration um, perspective. So I like this, you know, I think that they're finally like opening their eyes and saying like, what's going to work for us? You know, it may not be all of this. It may not be this exact concept replicating, but we're going to try a bunch of different things and we're going to see what works, right? Like, let's mm -hmm. see what resonates with customers, what's bringing them in the stores. Um, and let's, you know, implement this. So, you know, kudos to them for, you know, being, you know, staying around so long and really trying to be innovative at this stage, um, in their history. 
Yeah, I, I think this is a great move by them. I think that, um, you know, and I said this a number of times over the years, but like, I think when, when you think about physical retail and you think about the survival of physical retail and, and what makes it, you know, work uh, is when you can create great customer experiences, like, you know, actually, you know, make the store a destination that people want to go to, not just a place where they can buy something, but a place where they can experience something and at the same time buy something. Um, and so to me, that's what this points to, right? And, and we see it, uh, we see this type of movement happening, you know, across the industry. We see a lot of commercial retail spaces, shopping malls being turned into WeWorks and, you know, sort of, you know, have people work there and play there and shop there and, um, you know, and even live there in some cases, um, and kind of bringing it all together, right? Um, you know, because it's about, you know, how is this retail part of my life um, and not just, you know, it's just, a, you know, a, a place where I'm buying stuff. Um, and, and so I think that's really important. And I think they're seeing that because, you know, the styling or, or fitness or, you know, getting a haircut or whatever it is, these are all things that are part of my life that I, I need. These are things that I, I do anyways. So if I can do them there with you, then, um, you know, that, you know, that, that that's a good thing. Um, so I like that. Um, I think one thing that I'd be interested, 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 sorry, to see as this kind of rolls out uh, across the country is, can they, not only can they scale this with, um, you know, global brands, you know, so I know like in the fitness part of this, they, you know, they've got partnerships with uh, Lululemon, Aletha and so on. Um, and, and I'm sure they have other types of, uh, of partnerships like that uh, with different types of, of, you know, brands, products that they sell. But I think one thing that would be re really interesting is as you start to scale this out to different cities and so on, is can you also bring in, how much can you bring in of a, of a local flavor, um, you know, mixed into that alongside the other pieces? So, you know, if you've got a restaurant in there, right? Can you bring in, um, you know, local, uh, you know, organic food suppliers or, you know, local uh, microbrewery products or, or those kinds of things that are part of it that people also know because they live in the community, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I think those things become really interesting, um, you know, that, that you can sort of have, have the model kind of copied across the country, but at the same time have it, an element of it be unique to each store. So I know because this is in Texas, obviously, you know, when they launched, they had, you know, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders there and whatnot and whatnot. But like, you know, when you, when you open this in New York or whatever, that's not going to work. You need something different. Right. And, and uh, you know, or, or if you go to a, you know, a smaller, um, you know, city, um, you know, you, you want to kind of reflect the community around you. So I think, Hopefully that's part of the the model that they're they're thinking about. But but overall, I, I think this is great um, for for the for the brand. And you know, I wish Sears had kind of seen this a long time ago too. So yeah, you know, I was thinking of like three little things since we're in the business of giving away ideas <laughs> when we're always thinking about these. But you know, I think of um, you know something that like my youngest daughter does once a week is she goes to an art center and they like read a book. 
and they do an art project based on what they read. And then, you know, they obviously want people to come back to the art center other days that, you know, besides that, but they do it free. So, you know, the ability to do like mommy and me fitness classes or, Mm -hmm. you know, like baby music classes right there within all of the kids department, right? When you're right in the middle of all the toys or, you know, so they get to play with the toys and you see what they like and then you take those home, right? Um, I think is a great, you know, an idea or the ability to do uh, different levels of sort of like monthly sponsorships and um, affiliate marketing when you have new, for example, there's new like pop-up fitness chains coming all the time. And so they say, hey, a month from now, like Barry's Boot Camp is opening you know, down the block, but various boot camp, you know, needs to start to generate customers in that area. So they come in, they do these fitness classes, they sponsor them. And this month is Barry's boot camp, And these are the classes we're going to have. And then, you know, they're driving sales for Barry's boot camp, but they're also bringing people in there. And so it's sort of like a win-win for both of them. Yep. So the ability to do things like that, I think opens up so much opportunity. And I love the idea, like you said, bringing in local flair and making that unique to each store. Um, it makes people want to go. So like, even if you're traveling, right. And you, how you were like, Oh, you know, I'm going to go into JC Penney because who knows what they're going to have in this one that they didn't have in, you know, the Dallas one. Right. Yeah. Like, like as you were talking, it reminded me, I remember years ago now I was in, uh, we were doing some sort of LBMA event, uh, in Austin and I was down in Austin, Texas. And I remember saying to just some local friends of mine, I'm, oh, I'm in town, let's meet up uh, after work, you know, for, you know, dinner and drinks and whatever. Um, and, it, and, and I said, you know, to whoever was responding, you know, you guys pick the place. And the place they picked for to go for drinks was like the bar inside of Whole Foods, because it was across the street from the gym where they were all working out that day, you know, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. Now it's Austin. It's, it's home foods, you know, uh, oh, sorry, whole foods sort of head office is there. And, and obviously they have kind of their test concept stores and all those things going on there. So that made sense to me. Um, but, but in the same way, like, I think it's about how do you create those experiences? How do you become the local hangout for, 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 uh, for people? Right. Um, like that's not my first thought to think to go hang out at the bar at whole foods. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also about how do you replace, uh, how do you replace like a target where you just run in and run out to get something with somebody coming? I mean, to me, a department store is like a little bit harder to get in and out of, right? But if you have a reason to go there, if there's something that seasonally is changing, some type of exhibit that you can take your kids to when it's cold outside or when it's raining on a weekend, you're going to go in there and you've got to pick up, you know, a new pack of socks or like whatever. Now you're driving more revenue for your store that would have otherwise been going to Amazon or Target. So it is, it's creating those experiences. It's bringing people into the store and keeping them temporal, I think is a huge part of it. So yeah. All right. We could go on and on about this forever. Yeah, there you but... go. All right. So let's, let's go on. Our final story for this week. Uh, uh, our friends at CVS have teamed up with the Weather Channel. Um, and this is an interesting story. So they're using, they're leveraging IBM's Watson uh, AI uh, platform uh, to uh, do some uh, flu predictions. Obviously, it's winter is coming uh, here in North America. Flu season is uh, upon us. And so they have these flu insights, uh, you know, that are being driven out of the Watson AI platform. Um, and CBS has stepped up as kind of the first sponsor of the Weather Channel's new in-app uh, capability here. So basically what they're able to do is 
apparently predict um, sort of the incidence of flu 15 days in advance uh, when they think you're at risk of catching the flu based on your location. Um, and then, it, so this, this is all available uh, through a new flu option in the health and activities category um, of the, uh, you know, of the app. So, uh, and then, and then uh, basically CBS can, can run ads in there uh, for $5 off $25 purchases, uh, you know, direct to users uh, for, uh, you know, uh, getting a no cost flu shot. Uh, and things like that, um, you know, at uh, at a local CBS, and you can, you know, use location to, uh, data to find the closest location, and you know, all those types of things. So, you know, I, th I think it's a it's a great, you know, we this is not the first time we've seen these kinds of sort of mashups of flu data, but I think it's a neat way to use AI to kind of predict uh, incidents of flu in certain you know geo specific markets, and it's smart obviously for CBS to be a, main, uh, a sponsor, a player in this, in terms of driving traffic to their stores, to, to get remedies, to get you know, products to help you uh, maybe ward off the, you know, the flu or to get your flu shot there or, and those kinds of things. And, and they have all these kind of flu, flu, flu prevention tips, um, you know, kind of coming in an ad carousel type of formats and, and, you know, the benefits of vitamin D and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it. I think it's it's smart. It, it's an intelligent uh, use of of, uh, of the AI technology that's there, and a very logical partnership between the Weather Channel and CBS. Yeah, I think certainly like a change in season always brings about new opportunities for, um, especially the healthcare industry. You know, whether it's seasonal allergies in the spring or like the flu, you know, hitting right now. It reminds me of something that we did. Um, on the digital element side, you know, a long time ago where we used uh, IP intelligence location and we paired it with search within WebMD's platform to say like how big and bad the flu outbreak was in the area, like where you were coming from. Mm -hmm. um, so you could see like, is it more of just like the cold, you know, seasonal cold, or is it like full blown, you know, influenza type of thing. Um, and so I think these, these things always do well. And I think that CVS obviously has a lot to offer from content, um, obviously like paid sponsorships from, you know, brands like whatever, you know, Mucinex or whoever it may be at that moment. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities that this brings to the table. And I think that, uh, you know, Weather Channel obviously, or IBM Watson is set up well to, uh, you know, deliver those types of insights. There you go. So that's our show for this week. Uh, you've been listening to uh, episode number 441 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Of course, we will be back next week with yet another show. Uh, and again, if I encourage you to uh, share this with friends, colleagues, uh, give us feedback, uh, give us some likes, uh, you know, some star ratings, whatever you, you know, it is in the platform. And then go find us on some of these new uh, channels that uh, we're now available because we're uh, pushing on Anchor. So you know, uh, you can get us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever. So um, thank you for listening and watching. Uh, we appreciate all your support and we'll be back next week. Show. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.